Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the director of Church Partnership Evangelism, and I'm your Bible teacher. If you want to learn more about the work that we're doing to raise up evangelists and church planters around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. By nature, humans are filled with hope, hope in themselves and in their own devices. Fail as we might, we will try again and again to make it to the top in our own way. The Lord Jesus and his way of salvation is not one of many options. It's the only way by which a person can enter into God's kingdom of heaven. He is the only option. But in order for a person to take that option, they'll have to be convinced that there is no other possibility available to themselves, no hope in themselves, only hope in the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, and we're going to stay there throughout our passage, this throughout our time this morning. But I do want to remind you of where Paul has been taking us and what Paul's point is up to this point in time. And he's going to progress in this all the way through Romans chapter 3. And that is that Paul's mission here is to bring everyone he's writing to under the sentence of God's righteous judgment against their sins. He's brought this already to the idolatrous individuals who are rejecting the presence and the knowledge of God in their lives. He's brought this to the pagan who is resisting God and refusing God and propelling themselves into increasing sinfulness in the last part of Romans chapter 1. In the first part of Romans chapter 2, he's turned his attention to, I believe, the moralizing Greeks who he as well is touching upon and he's bringing them under this sentence of God's righteous judgment and wrath against their sins. In the last part of Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29, Paul is going to sweep into this net of condemnation the religious law-affirming Jew. And then in the first part of Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, he's going to lump them all together, and he's going to drive home this sentence of God's righteous judgment and wrath against sinful people. And he's doing this in order to convince them of their powerlessness to save themselves and deliver themselves from God's judgment. He's doing this in order that they might discover that there is no hope for themselves except through the gospel of Jesus Christ and their complete faith in him. Now that's the context of the passages we've been considering and the text that we're going to be reading in just a moment, Romans 2 verses 12 through 16. At the end of verse 11, Paul has concluded that there is an indictment against the Roman Gentiles that he's been describing. Two different types. The first type that is just wantonly, in Romans chapter 1, wantonly just giving themselves to sin and sinful behaviors and manifesting obvious moral corruption and even promoting it in others as they resist, in a sense, the knowledge of God in their life because they want to pursue their unrighteousness. And even though there is this suspicion within them which the Spirit of God is witnessing to them that they're under God's judgment. They continue to do the very things that God is opposed to, and they're taking pleasure in those who do the same things. And so that's one group of Greeks that he's talking to. And then in chapter 2, he turns his attention to, you might say, the moralist, who is 
tisking the vulgarities and the moral laxity of those other pagans and who are promoting a noble life that all people should be living. And Paul shows that both of these categories of Gentiles are under God's judgment. And it's at this point in time, at the end of verse 11, that a chorus of information seems to be breaking in upon Paul. As if Paul is hearing the voice of individuals who are now protesting. And they're saying, well, wait a second here, Paul. They can't be under judgment because they're ignorant of the law of the Jews. They don't know what God's expectations and what God's demands and commands are. And so I'm going to put up a defense for them in a sin. And that is that they should go free and that you cannot bring them under condemnation. And God is unjust to condemn them because, well, they're ignorant of the law. They're ignorant of the law. And that's where we're at in Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. Let me read it to you. Because here's Paul's answer. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. If you go and read the various commentators, there's some confusion as to how to organize the thoughts that are expressed here. Some think that verse 12 and verse 16 are one complete sentence, and verses 13 through 15 are a parenthetical thought that Paul is inserting, and, and actually in some of your translations, you'll find that it's translated just that way. Uh, parentheses are put there because they're trying to figure out the grammatical st structure of the passage. I rather think that instead that what Paul is doing is that he's laying down a sequence of principles or ideas that are leading to one concluding thought. They're setting up an argument that he's continuing to make and he'll continue to make this argument now as he goes on because he's gonna press these very same ideas and truths against the religious Jew who boasts in the law and that he has the law, but we should see that there's kind of progression or just a series of principles that are put together and what I want to do this morning, and I think the easiest way to look at this passage then is just to look at it verse by verse and to kind of understand something of what Paul is saying in each one of these verses and then at the end of that we'll put together some principles that we can understand and we'll be able to do that fairly quickly. So let's look at verse 12 and let's just go one verse at a time. Verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Paul, you cannot blame these individuals. You cannot say that God's judgment is against these individuals because we don't know what the law is. And here is the first thing Paul says. When he speaks of the law here, by the way, it's a reference to the moral laws that are outlined for us in the Old Testament and are encapsulated in the Ten Commandments. And there God sets down for the Jews how it is that he would have them live while they're enjoying and experiencing a covenant relation with him and before him. Paul says in this passage that God is going to judge everyone, but not on the basis of what they didn't know. He's going to judge everyone on the basis of what they did know, the things they did know. We're not going to go here, but if you went to Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, the Lord Jesus tells a parable, 
And in that parable, he basically says, to whom much is given, much will be required. That to those who know less, less is required of them. To those who know more, more is required of them. And in a sense, Paul is arguing and making that same argument. The person who knows less will be judged with less. The person who knows more will be judged by the more that they know. Each person will be judged righteously or fairly according to what they knew of right and wrong. That's what Paul is saying. Those who didn't know the Hebrew scriptures will be judged without those scriptures. And those who did know those scriptures will be judged by them. But here's the thing you need to note in what Paul is saying here. It will keep us understanding this passage correctly. The indication here is that all of them, as a result, are going to be brought under condemnation and judgment. Doesn't matter whether if you didn't know the law, you'll be brought under the condemnation of individual who lived their life by a different law or by a, a diluted information or knowledge, but by what knowledge you didn't know, you'll perish with that knowledge, it says. The person who knew the law and understood the law and continued to sin in the law, they will be judged and they will be brought under judgment by that law. So when you're bringing a person to recognize the need of the gospel, you first have to bring them to the moral law. Maybe that they don't know the Ten Commandments and they don't understand all the laws that God gave in the New Testament and that were repeated in the New Testament, but they know something of the truth. They have some knowledge of the truth and they must be brought under what it is they know to be right and wrong and the judgment that will come upon them as a result of that. They have to see that there is no escape from that judgment except in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not the option for a better way of life from many different options. He's not a person who comes to us and he just provides for us meaning and value and peace and stability and purpose, although he brings those things with him. He's come to us to save us from the penalty of our sins and to bring us into a right relationship with the Holy God. That's his purpose. That's his design. I find that when I'm trying to lead a person to Jesus Christ, and I want to bring the gospel to them, the first thing that takes place in trying to bring them before this moral law is they would resist the notion that they're sinners whatsoever. And then as you press it upon them a little bit, and they be, it's not that hard to win that argument with them, that debate with them. Once they begin to concede that, well, yeah, they're sinners, but they're not bad sinners. You know, what they've done are just the minor sins that are in their life. And then if you begin to help them understand the essence of sin and what that sin is and what the commands of God are, and you show it to more deeply, the, the next thing they will say is, even though they might acknowledge it, is, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was God's will. I didn't know God's command. I didn't know what God designed for me. I was ignorant of those things. And this has happened on multiple occasions for me. But the Bible has an answer for that, and Paul's giving it to us. Well, the good news here is this. You're not going to be judged by what you didn't know. You're not going to be judged by what you, know, what you didn't know. Now, here's the bad news. You're going to be judged by what you did know. And so the important question is, what did you know? What do you know? What are the things that you know that you know you haven't done that you should have done? What are the things you know that you know you shouldn't have done that you've done? What are they? That's the area in which we begin to address them and talk to them. God's not going to judge you according to your ignorance. He's going to judge you according to your knowledge. Let's go to this next passage of Scripture. Verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, 
but the doers of the law will be justified. So here in this passage, this can be confusing for people, but Paul is just stating a truth. He's just bringing forward a truth. What he doesn't do in this passage is reveal the active application of the truth, how that truth is played out in the life of men. He's just declaring a truth here. He's later gonna show us how that truth is played out in the life of human beings in Romans chapter three, and there he's gonna reveal that no one has faithfully kept the law. No one has. You want to be just before God, basically saying, keep the law perfectly. You want to be just before God, just keep the law that you know, that you're knowledgeable of perfectly. If you want to be just before God, to the Jew, just keep all of the law that God has given you perfectly. Be a keeper of the law, not just someone who's hearing it. And, but then Paul will reveal in Romans chapter 3 that no one's done that. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. This is not where Paul gets to in verse 13, but this is what he's setting up here. He's giving us this statement in verse 13, but he's setting up the things that he's going to say in Romans chapter 3. He's going to set up the same thing, basically, that he says here in Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, to keep them, all of them. I want to direct you now to a different website at the end of our broadcast than I usually do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 commands that the Christian test themselves to see if they're in the faith. In answer to this command and with the desire to bring Christians into a sound and true assurance of saving faith, we've developed a website and a book for this purpose. Go to SavingEvangelicals.com and take the test and order the book by the same name, Saving Evangelicals. I can't think of a more important book for our day. Again, thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. Until the next time, may God bless you.